Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and I'm broadcasting solo this evening as I wanted to provide my thoughts on the Washington Redskins win over the Carolina Panthers earlier today. And specifically, there were five points that jumped out to me in terms of both the outcome of the game and the quote-unquote big-picture stuff related to the outcome. So without further ado, I kind of wanted to just dive into those points one by one. So point number one, through the first 10 minutes of this game, Anyone watching the contest, if it really was a contest, at least in the initial part, would have thought it was going to be a total laugher. Carolina quarterback Kyle Allen started the game 6-for-6 with 86 yards passing and two touchdowns. Running back Christian McCaffrey was zigzagging through the Washington defense, and it just looked like another game where the offense of the opposing team was going to do whatever they wanted to against a defense that, once again, didn't show up prepared. But if nothing else, when you take a look, step back and look at the big picture, you have to give credit to our guys, both on the offense and the defense, but specifically on the defense, for weathering the storm, especially given that when the Redskins did get their first drive onto the field, they went for something like negative 11 yards on three plays in between Carolina's two touchdowns. So Washington started the game as ugly as you could get and yet was able to kind of correct themselves and get things going as the game unfolded. Um... Giving credit to this defense, look, that should mean something considering I absolutely loathe Greg Minuski. My stance on him has not changed. I believe that a stale dinner roll has the higher has a higher IQ than the Redskins defensive coordinator. So again, the fact that I'm saying something nice about the defense and the way the defense played today should have some gravitas as a whole. Um, yep, Carolina walked through this defense like the hot knife through butter for the first two drives. But after those first two drives to open the game with touchdowns, Carolina didn't score any points on their next nine drives. Consider that as juxtaposed with the fact that, as Greg Gumbel pointed out, the Redskins had the worst third down defense in the NFL entering this game. So the fact that we were able to stop them on nine different drives is noteworthy. Yes, Kyle Allen's has steadily, Kyle Allen of the Panthers has steadily regressed this season um, as after his 4-0 or 4-1 start or whatever it was. But anyone who's been a Redskins fan for the last decade should know, or more than the last decade really, should know that we're the team that every player who's in a slump always gets right against. We're the player that's going to fix the ills of, or we're the team that's going to fix the ills of another player. So the fact that Allen played as poorly as he has over the last X number of games. The fact that the Redskins held Christian McCaffrey without a touchdown and less than 50 yards rushing and less than 105 total yards from scrimmage for the first time in two months is noteworthy, considering that McCaffrey is someone who's on pace to break the NFL's combined yards from scrimmage record. So this this is this is noteworthy stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, they did something right, which is more than you can say about the majority of the performances this year. A few Redskins on the defense particularly stood out. For instance, Nate Orchard, who's been here for all of five minutes, he had two huge plays to help wrap up this game. Matt Ioannidis, who continues to be the best defensive lineman on the team this year, he had two sacks on the afternoon. Quinton Dunbar and Landon Collins, they both showed flashes and they both had their moments over the course of the game. And then Montez Sweat, who finally showed some of the promise he held when the Redskins made him the second of their two first-round picks this year, he had a great game. Carolina, entering this game, actually thought so little of Sweat that they basically had tight end Greg Olson blocking him one-on-one for different stretches of this game. In at least a couple of those situations, Sweat 
totally destroyed him. Now, that's something you'd hope for in a matchup between a guy many consider to be one of the top three pass rushers in the 2019 NFL Draft, facing a pass's prime tight end who was never really an elite blocker in Greg Olson. But still, it was great to see that out of, a, out of sweat. It was great to see the performance of some of those players that were highlighted there. As a whole, to be very clear, I remain 100% in favor of firing Greg Minuski faster than Bruce Allen reaches for his next course light, but he earns a reprieve, even if it's a meaningless one, just for today. Point number two. It's not surprising that Bill Callahan decided to stick with the game plan of trying to run the ball against Carolina, and at least in this case, it was warranted. Most people didn't realize that Carolina was ranked 31st in rushing defense DVOA entering this game, just barely ahead of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the latter of whom have been god-awful against the run this year. But obviously, that begets the fact that one of the headlines in this Redskins wins win, rightfully so, was the breakout of Darius Geis. Uh, Geis finished with 129 yards rushing on just 10 carries, adding on two rushing touchdowns. Now, if I was going back through my notes from before the 2018 NFL Draft, and one of the things that I had noticed, both kind of watching Geis on YouTube, among other clips, and seeing those same things today, was that He's a runner who always, who isn't always trying to bounce things outside for the big play. He shows the patience to wait for the blocking and the hole to develop before attacking it. There were multiple instances where he did that today. Um, there are times when Adrian Peterson is excellent at this. There are times that he's not excellent at this. But having someone like Peterson as a mentor to help Geis build on those good habits is quite valuable. And... This is the type, this is all to say that Geis is the type of running back who old school Redskins fans can really appreciate. He's a tough runner. He's got strong leg drive. He's got a physicality and a willingness to mix it up with defenders. He loves yards after the first contact. He's going to deceptively rack up yards after he looks like he might go down. And he's that type of running back who can wear down a defense with the old body blows boxing term. And I love that. That's just something that if you grew up watching the Redskins in the 80s and 90s, this is synonymous with the way we play football. Uh, so it, just to watch guys have this game and the way he played was really, really refreshing, especially combined with the one-two punch that him and Peterson had. And I tweeted this during the game, but I think it bears repeating as well. I couldn't be happier for Geis' success in addition because he remains one of the most likable and endearing players on a team, especially on a team that has guys who are increasingly filled or increasingly focused rather on cashing their next paycheck. I know there was a fringe contingent of Redskins fans who themselves had the collective IQ of a bag of hamburgers, who were basically tweeting vile and ridiculous things at him after he missed time due to an injury this year, basically calling him brittle and injury prone and yada yada, whatever bullshit they could come up with. So to see Geis kind of overcome that, to see him be flashes of the guy we envisioned when we drafted him in the second round of the 2018 NFL draft, especially everything he's been through to get here. is just a great story and something to really take away as a huge positive from this game. Point number three, obviously the number one story in addition to Darius guys or one step even above Darius guys for this game, as well as every game of the foreseeable future will always be Dwayne Haskins. Now, to put it simply, there's no question that Haskins played his best game as a member of the Washington Redskins today. And I said this in our latest podcast uh, with our own Patrick Rice. One of the things that gives me the most encouragement regarding Haskins, both previously and especially today, is the fact that he already shows a level of comfort working through progressions. For as raw and frankly as erratic as Haskins has been at times this season, the importance of his ability to kind of read through progressions simply can't be understated, especially for someone coming out of a spread-based offense from college at Ohio State. 
Um, Haskins, again, as I mentioned, showed glimpses of this today. One in particular that really stood out to me and showed a lot of growth. It might be one play, but more importantly, it led to points. There was a third and six play on Carolina's 39-yard line early in the second quarter where Haskins fired a pass to Jimmy Sprinkle, uh, J- Jimmy, Jeremy Sprinkle, excuse me, that ended up being a their Redskins' first first third down conversion of the day. Now, when you watch this play, it was clear that Haskins cycled through his first two reads before hitting Sprinkle up the seam. That play helped Washington put get into field goal position that ultimately put the score at 14 to 6. Now, there were a couple more instances where Haskins showed this, but you can see that he's basically being able to sit in the pocket work through his progressions, make decisions on this is not the place to throw it, this is not the place to throw it, and this is the place to throw it, and correctly hit those throws. And while he tends to be a little wild on some of his throws, and I'll talk about that in a second, um, the fact that he's able to kind of walk through that after only one year of starting at, at Ohio State and be having diminished number of snaps and repetitions this this year should be very exciting for someone who to see the development and his maturation as a whole in this offense. Now, the other area where you should be really, really excited about the play of Haskins was the whole two-minute drill where he easily showed his the most promise he's ever had. On that drive, there was the out route to Steven Sims, although he admittedly kind of stared him down the whole way on that process. Um, there was the next play where he stepped up in the pocket as Chris Thompson was fending off Bruce Irvin, who was screaming around the edge, and he rifled the pass to that in-cutting Calvin Harmon. Um, and then on the very next play, he nailed Thompson, who's coming out on the right side through that wheel route, and he basically like, threw the ball, and, and Thompson had no choice but to catch it as it nailed him right between the numbers. And Haskins' pass threaded the ball between three Carolina guys when he basically stuck it on Thompson. That sequence of three plays, and again, it's just three plays, was some of the best football we've seen from a Redskins quarterback since, you know, since Kirk Cousins was here, unfortunately. Um, that drive obviously ended with Irvin beating Donald Penn uh, around the edge, which caused Haskins to fumble the ball, and then Hopkins missed the field goal attempt as time expired in the first half. But nonetheless, there was a lot of—if you're looking for progress, which you could tangibly point to, that drive was definitely it. Now, Haskins was, wasn't without his cons on the day. He was still inconsistent with his accuracy, much of which, again, comes from his footwork. He still forced a few passes into coverage, and he few with— Few pass, he threw a few passes with some wonky footwork, and he cut away with those because of his pure arm strength, which if you really sit back and take a look at it, it's, it's a sight to behold. He, he's got a cannon on his arm, and it doesn't get talked about quite enough. I know we talk about it a lot, but still, to really t- take it in, it's, it's something. Um, at least in my estimation, there were also a couple of times where the pocket was collapsing around him, and he started to drop his eye level a little bit. And for quarterbacks who have some semblance of mobility, this is a little bit of a cardinal sin. Uh, quarterbacks who have mobility should still try to focus on having their eyes down the field within reason and you know, and try to deliver the pass first as opposed to ejecting and trying to scramble, especially with someone like Haskins who isn't really a gifted scrambler. So the fact that he did this a few times was notable to me. Now, I want to be clear that there were a lot, and I do mean a lot, of positives to take away from this game when it comes to Haskins. So if you're a Redskins fan worrying about the future of this team in terms of the quarterback position, today's performance by by Haskins should help assuage at least a sizable slice of those concerns. Point number four. Speaking of the future of this team... As we also mentioned in our most recent podcast, those of us who those of us who think this way, and I absolutely consider myself one of them, believing that every win takes us further away from positioning ourselves to land one of the premier draft picks in the 2020 NFL draft class, would have mixed feeling again today's regarding today's win. But that being said, 
Washington benefited from Miami beating Philadelphia, which brings me so much joy in my spiteful, spiteful heart. So with the win, Washington actually moved up a pick in the NFL draft, as backwards as that might seem. Specifically, if the draft were today, the Redskins would pick third overall, as opposed to last week when we were up in the fourth slot, behind Cincinnati and the wretched New York Giants. Now, of course, that's the big problem with the positioning, is that Cincinnati, again, would likely take a quarterback, or odds on favorite at the moment, as least as of today, would be Joe Burrow, which would put Ohio State's Chase Young right falling into the laps of our hated division rival. That is a bad thing. Now, there are, of course, still four more games to play this season, starting with this Sunday's game at Green Bay, and of course, Washington still plays those cursed Giants in Week 16s, but never hurts to take a peek at the bottom of the NFL standings, at least in terms of the Redskins draft positioning. And on a similar note, point number five. We have to look at what this mean, this win could mean in the greater context of the Redskins' future. Specifically, there was that report earlier in the week, or towards the end of the week, I believe, from NFL Network's Mike Garofalo, where he basically stated that Bruce Allen's positioning as the hated dictator of all things Redskins might be as tenuous as ever. And that basically means everything, including his reign of destruction, would be subject to review at the end of this year. In other words, as others have speculated, if this season continues to be an unmitigated disaster, Allen might be quote-unquote reassigned to another position in the organization, or effectively pushed out the door, given some figurehead bullshit title, since at the end of the day, he's the turd that we can't fully flush down the toilet bowl. But... That's why today's win over Carolina still leaves a little bit of a funky aftertaste for Redskins fans who want to see this team rise from the current dregs of the NFL as we are today. Any hint of competence or competitive competitiveness hurts the sentiment that this organizational setup needs to be burned to the ground and fully rebuilt. We cannot add oxygen to the fire of keeping things the way that they are, or giving Allen one more chance to right the ship, or even worse than all of that, keeping Callahan around for another season to see what he can do. What he can do. Those are recipes for even more disaster and a direct manifestation of Einstein's definition of insanity, doing the same things over and over and expecting different results. So I'm looking at you Redskins fans who continue to come out and blindly support this team that's run by football succubi. You idiots who directly go to the game week after week, talk about how you're HTTR no matter what, and spend countless dollars at the football mausoleum that is FedEx Field. Whatever decrepit state that this franchise is in, you are directly, and I mean directly, contributing to this problem. Stop telling me that real Redskins fans support this team no matter what. That doesn't make you a fan. That makes you a brainless farm animal who can be herded in whichever direction this franchise wants. If you're a real fan of this team, you understand that they need to make drastic changes and they need to do so immediately if you really want to root for good things for this team to happen. They need to hold on to whatever shred of relevancy they have left, and judging by that Washington Post poll from a week or so ago, that relevancy is quickly diminishing, so that's why the only reason for rooting for this team to lose is okay, and why believing today's win... was 100% is a little was 100% good is a little bit of self delusion. There's a universe where a loss is a good thing. You never want to lose root for this team's demise. But this team's demise is only perpetrated by the asshats that we have running this organization. And for those of you who continue to support them, you're the problem, not the solution. So as others, led by Burgundy Blog, uh, Brent, the mastermind behind that account, has said, I'm sorry if you think I'm being negative or pessimistic about today's win. We're not. We expect better things from this franchise. We want better things from this franchise. So I'm happy for the win. I'm happy for the guys in that locker room for whatever that means. But I directly hope that 
the next few games against the Packers, against the Eagles, even against the Cowboys. And there's nothing in the world I hate more than losing to the Cowboys. But that's the only time I'll allow for a loss to take place. Just because this shit needs to end. Bruce Allen needs to go as fast as possible. And a loss will perpetuate that. Or a loss will be the first one to propagate him right out the door. So... Sorry about the last point. That's a little bit of my rant. Um, thank you for so much for those of you who have gotten this far into the podcast. Uh, always appreciate your support. Hope everyone had an amazing Thanksgiving holiday. And if you haven't done so already, please make sure you subscribe to us on SoundCloud or subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and leave us some feedback um, regarding today's episode or anything else you've heard. And we look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.